good gossip is culture changing. I've said things that I shouldn't have said. I have done, you know, little things like, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. I wish I hadn't said that. Uh, there's no expiration date on an apology. The First Responder Liaison Network is proud to present to you the Kitchen Table Podcast. Where our guests come share their stories, their perspectives, and their message, talking all things leadership. Now here's your host, Berlin Mazza. Good afternoon and welcome to the Kitchen Table, episode 27. Our show today is brought to you by the First Responder Liaison Network. The network is organized for the development, implementation, and ongoing support of mentorship and professional development programs, inspiring our youth and young adults to mature into engaged civic leaders and resilient community sentinels. Music and graphics are brought to you by Kai Elephant Productions. And today on the show, we have best-selling author Kevin Thomas McCarney, a successful entrepreneur, speaker, mentor, husband, and father. Kevin has spent several decades managing customer and employee relations across a wide range of industries and organizations. He's been a guest speaker at the USC Marshall School of Business, the UCLA Anderson School of Business, and Woodbury University, among many others. Since his paper route at the age of seven, growing up in Hollywood, California, he has worked as a janitor, a switchboard operator, a busboy, a waiter, a manager, a doorman at Grauman's Chinese Theater, and a tour guide at Universal Studios. He then went into the hospitality world as a corporate trainer until he created his own small group of restaurants that have been in business since 1984. Kevin has served on the board of directors of the California Restaurant Association, chairman in 2014, the State Compensation Insurance Fund, the Burbank Arts and Education Foundation, the Boys and Girls Club of Burbank, and the Universal City North Hollywood Chamber of Commerce. Every job he worked at, every organization he served, would add to his observational knowledge that showed him how everyday communication was the key to success in any relationship. Good afternoon, Kevin. Thank you so much for joining us today on The Kitchen Table. How are you? Berlin, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Of course. And I will have to give the credit to Lieutenant Eric Rossoff. He was on our show a few months back, and he made this connection. And he actually talks about communication in his classes, and all, as well as on his podcast that we talked here. And he talked about how your book, um, which we're going to dive deeply into today, The Big Brain, Little Brain, and how it is a prerequisite to some of his courses and what he teaches, the career survival. Uh, but let's get into that in just a minute. Let's uh, let's talk about Kevin. So first of all, before we get going, talk to us a little bit about Kevin and his uh, his uh, upbringings and a little bit about your journey in writing this book that we're going to talk about today. Well, it's um, people who know me uh, from childhood and everything were amazed because I wrote a book because I didn't read a book until I was 20. Uh, severe dyslexia. I could not read. I barely got through high school, uh, but I could I could listen and I could observe. And I was fine tuning my skills on, on dealing with people as I listened and observed. And one of the things I noticed is mm -hmm. that in pressure situations, people have a tendency to say the wrong thing, to overreact, to mm -hmm. to to just blurt out what they feel versus recognizing the moment they're in and then maybe adjusting to it. And so I, I took notes for many, many years. And I finally put those notes together and I put them in to, uh, the, the, the book. And it really is essentially the neocortex, the bigger part of the brain where we, all, we 
have everything organized and categorized. We know everything, all the, the smart part of the brain versus that reptilian part of the brain, which I put right next to the, the, the mouth, because <laughs> that's the more primal part of the brain. That's that lizard brain people talk about. And, but when you apply the lizard brain idea to communication, you, you see a lot of parallels. You see that, that overreaction, that, that almost primal reaction sometimes when people get upset or angry just because something happened, they get cut off in traffic, uh, mm-hmm. something like that happens. And all of a sudden they, they, they get agitated and all of a sudden they say, wait a minute, I, got, I have to go back. I, I can't let that person do that. You know, mm-hmm. I, I have to go get back at them. And it is something that um, I saw happen way too many times. I saw way too many relationships get destroyed because under pressure of the moment, people said the wrong thing. Uh, and too many people lose their job because they say the wrong thing at the workplace. And that's, that's, a, that's really one of the, the crux of, of, of the thing is that I couldn't stand to see people hurting themselves because they didn't have these simple tools. And I developed these tools as a personal strategy over the years and as, and as a strategy for helping my employees deal with the public. Mm-hmm. Because uh, when you're dealing with the public, you, you have a lot of people that aren't necessarily the most congenial sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so you have to deal with those non-congenial moments and, oh, and learn, teach your employees how not to take the comments personal so yes, that yes. they can pivot. Yes. Well, you said it. I mean, communication, you know, is the key to success. And I don't think any of our listeners would disagree. Communication is is the key to life, you know? So, um, yeah. So I want to dive right into this book. I can see after reading the book, obviously, as to why, you know, Eric would utilize this as a prerequisite to his class and his course that he calls career survival. Because obviously, as you just talked about, communication is the key and, you know, what we say. And so I want to dive right into it. So, uh, Big brain, little brain, name of the book. I'll ask a rhetorical question. I mean, because I don't think this is the book necessarily that was intended for firefighters as the audience, but I think any audience would be the correct audience to read a book such as this. Tell us a little bit about the book. Well, you know, I, I feel grateful having been a uh, uh, bestseller on Amazon in a couple of different categories uh, and getting a lot of attention, even though it really came out in the middle of the pandemic. And I haven't had as much time to really promote it because I've been surviving in my own business, you know, the, the, my, my, uh, my stores and that, but the, the book I, I felt had to get out because I wanted to help people, but it, it's, I've given speeches on, on the subject and everything for many, many years and doing this stuff. And one of the things that I've noticed is that over the years, um, there seemed to be more of a need for people for, for some very simple, basic communication skills that they may not have gotten growing up. Cause we all, you know, we all learn communication for the environments we're in. You know, if, if they, some of very educated environments, they're going to be speaking a different language and different vocabulary. Not so highly educated, you're going to be speaking a different language and a different vocabulary. And so what I learned is that you, even though you have these different people growing up in, in, in different realms, that, that big brain, little brain is, exists in both. Big brain, little brain is there. Little brain exists. It's there. It wants to spit out that snarky comment as soon as it wants to get it out there. And it doesn't think about the repercussions of of, of that comment. And so I I really wanted to get this out there. uh, A lot of high school kids and and college that I've spoken to, it it really does help them 
begin to understand that don't just shoot from the hip, mm -hmm. you know, that your words are going to have an effect on your future. You know, your comments, you see this all the time in the news media right now. Mm -hmm. There's no such thing as a secret from the past, right? <clears throat> that doesn't exist anymore because everything is recorded. Mm -hmm. And if it's not recorded, they go find it. So mm -hmm. you, you, you've got to be in control of your emotions and your, 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 your words so that it doesn't come back to bite you. Yes, and, it, yes. and it will. You see that all the time in the news where somebody, oh, look at what so-and-so said. Look at what so-and-so said. Oh, look, he said this 20 years ago. Mm, yeah. You know, that's today. And so yeah. it does make a difference. If, if You've got to have control no matter what you do for a living, no matter what you do. And I think one of the challenges is people often feel because they've been slighted or somebody makes a comment about them or something, uh, you know, uh, is rude to them they automatically go into that little brain thing like, well, if they said that, then I have a right to say this. Mm -hmm. And the problem with that is you may feel you have a right to say it, but it may not be the right thing to say. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like, you know, stooping down to someone else's level kind of thing. If they yeah. allows me to say that, well, that means I'm allowed to say this. Can you provide just a little bit more context on what you refer to as the big brain and then what do you mean by the little brain? And we'll talk about kind of those knee-jerk reactions and responses. Yeah. Uh, back in the late 50s, there was a, a gentleman that put together the triune brain theory, that we have three different brains, the neocortex, which is where we keep all of the what we learn and read and everything in here. And, and then we have the reptilian brain, right? That knee-jerk reaction stuff. And then in the middle there is, is, is called the limbic system. That's where the emotions sit. And so... It, it is really the neocortex, the intelligent part of fighting that, uh, that, neo, that lizard brain for control over the emotions of the moment. And that is really what big brain, little brain is all about. It's all about understanding that in the pressure of the moment, you still have control. Mm -hmm. And as I mentioned um, uh, in, in all of my comments is that there, nowhere in the book are you going to find the word triggered. Mm -hmm. I think triggered sometimes is used as a cop-out. Oh, yeah, I was triggered, so I had a right to say that. Or I triggered, so I had a right to do that. Well, I don't think so. I think triggered is, is an excuse where activated is what I, we call this, where if somebody gets upset or somebody cuts you off or somebody says something to you, you can get activated. Mm -hmm. but you still have time to think about your reactions. As a matter of fact, there's a great line in the book, page uh, in chapter five. The, the opening of chapter five, um, Victor Frankl was oh, in yes. four different concentration camps. Yep. Uh, and he survived four different concentration camps and he studied the human behavior uh, after that, before that and after that. He was a neuropsychologist. And his line in there is between stimulus and response, there's a space. And that space is where we can choose and that's where I think his line is that, that our freedom and, and where we go from there. Yep. The critical point to that is that it's neurological science. There's a little space between the time something happens to you and the time you respond to respond. it. Yep. And I think that is where we, we, I call it I, that space. Um, and that's where I got that quote. I was given a speech and I was telling people about the, the concept of neutral. How to get to neutral when you're upset, when, you, when you've got different things going on. 
how to get yourself to neutral so you can pivot and, and steer away from letting your little brain finish a, a sentence or a comment. Neutral is a, is a concept I, I developed for myself on this stuff, but then somebody came up to me after one of my speeches and handed me that quote. So you got to read, you got to put this quote in there. Mm-hmm. And he's absolutely right. I, I had never um, known the cons. I never knew this person, uh, Victor Frankel. And yet yep. Victor yep. Frankel, you start learning about him. Like what an amazing person. Mm-hmm. He really tried to get people to understand that in the pressure of the moment, you still have a choice. Yes. Well, I want to ask the million dollar question. I know it's early in the show. Okay. Um, and so there's no, you know, lead up. We're just going to jump right there. So the, you're talking about this space, right? And I've got it opened up right here. Stimulus and response or that space or that time. I believe if we've all were forced to never respond immediately, regardless of the situation, I think we would all get in a lot less trouble, right? In our relationships, whether it be at work, whether it be in our, you know, our, our, with our spouses at home, with our kids, whoever that might be. So I guess the million dollar question is, and I think we're, you know, talking to firefighters as well, you know, cause we, we, we are trained to react. We're trained to have responses immediately. Well, I use that loosely immediately because no, we don't have to necessarily respond immediately. We could take four seconds before responding, but the million dollar question is this is how do we train ourselves to not have those immediate responses always? Great, 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 great question. Thank you. In the book, we, we, we talk about developing the, the, the concept of neutral, developing neutral words. So mm. you can have your own neutral word. I'll give you the story here. I was, my, I said my daughters were in show choir. I come home one night after 18 hours of work, you know, I just want to get in, take a shower, lay down. And there's 50 kids singing and dancing and, and as loud as they can possibly be. I opened the door and I wasn't expecting it. I just go, okay, what we got going here, right? And so that okay with it was sort of a letting the, the, the valve uh, out of my anxiety, right? That okay was the message to the people in the room, like, oh, he's not angry, right? Yeah. Oh, and so what, what you learn is that mm. the tone, your initial yeah. tone especially, controls everything. So mm-hmm. the tone is the message. So practice your neutral words, and we talk about in the book, I give you a couple of different samples of neutral words in there, where you can go back and you can talk about, uh, like, my, my go-to is okay. Something happens and somebody's being completely jerk whatever okay you know it's kind of a, again so like a relief valve yeah it could be oh i see or hmm whatever it is natural for you and yes. the most yes. important thing is you practice it yes with the right tone of voice because if i'd walked in and just said okay yeah what we got here the tone changes the message. Yes. It's like the old adage, right? It's not what you said. It's the, the way you said it. It's the tone. Yeah, of, but, the tone. And, and, and what, they're, what they're really talking about when they say that is it's the tone. Because yeah. tone controls. Yes. Tone controls how they perceive you and it, it feeds what you're doing. Yes. So if you can control your tone in, in pressure moments, if you just control your tone, it takes a split second to do yeah. that. Yeah. You know, uh, I can tell you that when I was a tour guide at Universal Studios, I was, um, you know, 19 years old, snarky as can be, you know, I know everything. Um, and th- there was a really hot day, the trams were breaking down, people had to wait three hours in line. And I, I get a tram, they said, Kevin, tram on the right, 
they're 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 from Europe and they're not happy. Good luck, right? So I'm being fed to the lions. I try to say hello to them on, as I was walking by the tram. Nothing. Arms crossed. Bam. Ugh. And they get to the very front, and the leader grabs my arm and says, "Take us to our bus. You cannot treat us like this." And I looked at him. I said, "Sir, I'm going to have to ask you to sit down because we're moving right now." And I mentioned motion to the driver. He started to get us moving. And I, he says, fine, I will sit here, but there's no way you can make me laugh. There's no way we will have a good time, right? So 128 people in front of this 19-year-old kid, I'm thinking, well, I'm just going to give him the worst tour I can because this, this, I shouldn't be treated like this, right? I have a right to, to not be treated like this. So I'm going to overreact and give him the worst tour. I'm not going to point things out. Mm -hmm. um, and then in a split second, like a moment after that, in the front row of the second car, a family from the Midwest had gotten stuck with this group. A family from the Midwest, you can see their, their shirts were all from the same uh, uh, football uh, uniform. And they were sitting there, same burnt suntan with smiles on their face. Mm -hmm. And I looked at them and in a split second, I went, wow, I'm going to have to give these people the best tour I can. Mm -hmm. And just ignore the 128, 124 more negative people around them, mm -hmm. right? That with their arms crossed and just for bows from. Within 10 minutes, everybody in that car, the second car started coming along on the tour, having a good time. By the time the tour was over, everybody except for the leader, uh, and they said, oh, don't worry about him. He's always been grumpy, uh, came along and, and, and gave a tremendous applause because they had been through a, a physiological three hours of, of sun. Mm -hmm. Now they were, they were on the, on the tour and all of a sudden they were having a good time. It was contagious. And the lesson there yes, is twofold. Yes. One, yes. ignore the 124 people that are not having a good time yep. and focus on the four that are. Yeah. Because they will change the other 124. Oh, I love it. I love and that's it. That's what they did. But yes. So it was, it was a, a matter of recognizing that. And but I'll never forget this to this day. Everybody is, uh, I mentioned this in the book, but I'm watching everybody get off the tram and I'm saying goodbye to these people. And they're all saying really nice things that the family from the Midwest is sitting there waiting for everybody to, to, to leave. And I noticed in the very last row of the last car, my supervisor was in on the tour. Oh, he's in the very last row of that, of that tram. Can you imagine if the snarky 19 year olds had won? Oh yeah, the Sarkin Angel would have been out of a job. I was going to say, you'll, uh, yeah, 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 you, nothing well, else. Yeah. And this is this is where those pressure the moment situations can have an impact on your life. Mm -hmm. You know, you yeah. can either you know switch to big brain right away, yeah, or you can you know think you have a right to get back at these people, right, and lose your job, right. Well, so, I mean, it's key what you just said is uh, it takes practice, right? Like for example, yes. we read the book or we listen to this podcast, we'll say, we're not going to adopt that mindset. We, it takes, like you said, establish our neutral words, right? Yes. It, 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 in conversation, starting immediately, train ourselves to, even during, I would say, and tell me your thoughts on this, even during conversations that aren't heated conversations, where it, it prompts an immediate necessary reaction, right? Even if it's just a low risk conversation, uh, 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 practice not responding immediately, right? Oh, absolutely. And practice just, you know what? Hold on. 
just wait four seconds, count in our head to three or four, have a neutral word, and then respond. Because then that only then can we eventually get to the point during those high risk situations where we ever be able to not react so violently or heavily with you know tons of emotion where we say, oops, I shouldn't have said that. Because it'll take practice, right? Obviously. It does take practice. And I think practicing the tone is critical because yes. like I have a couple of things in the book that you can use, I see, or well then, yeah. interesting. Well, that's your opinion, right? Yeah. Oh, well, that's that's one way to look at it. That's a good point. Right? That's a good point, uh, yeah. Time parachutes is in the book too. We talk about time parachutes. It's something like, let me think about that. Mm-hmm. Or I, I didn't understand. I, I'm not, I haven't heard that before. That, that, that gives you control of the conversation. Yeah. And for people who are control freaks, and I think a lot of people are, if if you're, the tone gives you control, yeah. most importantly, if somebody else's tone is escalating, you can maintain your tone and they'll have to come back to you. Mm-hmm. Because the one thing you, you see happen all the time is that a conversation will escalate in tone. Yes. And then everybody's trying to out-tone each other. And then that turns into a confrontation. So the idea is if you can if you can control your tone, you can control the direction of the conversation. Yes. And you can bring people back to your tone. And I really believe that that uh, I've seen this happen so many times where you've got people in, in control of your tone. And it's like, wow, yeah. that that gives them everything. And yeah. I've seen I've seen firefighters. I've seen police officers are experts at this in many ways. Mm-hmm. I've seen them that really, really just like uh, I grew up in Hollywood in the 60s and 70s. And I can tell you, I was so impressed with the way, you know, as Hollywood was evolving at the time, the way the, the officers handled things. And then mm-hmm. not everyone is perfect and everything, but for the most part, they, they were trained very well how, how not to overreact yes. to somebody screaming and yelling at them. Yes. Well, um, I think that's key, not overreact, right? React, yes. and then there's overreact. So let's talk respond. about that. Exactly. Respond. Let's talk about that. Exactly. Respond adds thinking to the concept. So let's talk about exactly that because in your book you talk about reacting versus responding. So can you talk a little bit about the difference between both? Well, it does dovetail right into the the um, neutral. Is you've got to get to neutral so you can recognize you're in a moment where you have to take control. You have to big, let your big brain take control because if you let little brain take control, it will overreact. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my stores um, a couple of years ago. Two ladies walked in, and this is where it's so important because even if somebody is instigating or agitating you, 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 you feel like, oh, I can't believe they're saying that. They can't ever say that. Mm-hmm. Um, they, two ladies walk in to, to the restaurant. Uh, one of them orders enchiladas. The other one's a salad. The, the, five minutes later, take the food over to them. Five minutes later, the lady with the enchiladas comes back up and slams the enchiladas on the counter and screams for this 60 seat restaurant, right? And everybody can hear. There was nobody who could not hear this one. These enchiladas are cold. I mean, as angry as can be. And the manager to his credit just said, I'm so sorry. I will get you some new ones right away. Please have a seat and I'll bring it right out to you, right? He does that, brings about enchiladas. Seven or eight minutes after she gets the second order of enchiladas, she comes back up to the counter again. You made these enchiladas cold again, slammed them on the counter. So now everybody is involved in this conversation. Everybody's listening. Mm-hmm. The manager says, you know, I personally apologize. 
Let me get you something else. Anything else on the menu, and it's on me. I'll bring them over to you right away. Fine. Give me some of those taquito things. Gives her some taquitos. Ten minutes later, he knows she's only taking a, one bite of taquitos, and he's getting a little worried. But he's got a line to the door, and he can't do anything. So all of a sudden, he feels a hand on his arm. He looks, and it's the lady. And then his reaction was nervousness, obviously. But he said, she said, thank you. And that was just a surprise to him. She said, oh, you liked the taquitos? She said, oh, they were fine. She says, I just want to apologize. She says, I didn't mean to take that out on you. I haven't slept in days. My husband is not doing well. I just came from the hospital. It wasn't good news. I, I, I'm truly sorry the way I treated you. And with that, the entire restaurant melted, mm -hmm. right? Because they, they, they heard this. And to this day, there, there were two people who were there from a large law firm in, in Century City. They said, you know what? The way you responded to that lady mm -hmm. made us feel comfortable. We understand she had something going on. We understand there, there was something you couldn't see or yeah. wasn't visible at that moment. So it was the way you responded. Let her come back from that. Let yeah. her come back from that overreacting state of mind, that yeah. little brain state of mind, That's and so where she could apologize. Yeah. His big brain response, his choice, and how he responded to the little brain, you know, reaction to right. the, the, yeah. So that's, oh, wow. That's a powerful story. I remember I have it actually pulled up right here. That's a powerful story. Thank you for sharing that. The next piece here is, I love this. We talked about this offline is the good gossip, <laughs> right? There's not enough good gossip going around, right? We talk, we, we, there's unfortunately not just in the fire service, right? But everywhere there's a lot of gossip, right? Take out right. the word good. There's a lot of gossip. And when you hear the word gossip, most of the time, it's not necessarily good, right? <laughs> it's uh, talking behind backs. It's, you know, mumbling words, whatever it might be. But you specifically talk about the good gossip and you specifically say this, and I love it, is forget the butt, right? Just forget the butt. Just leave it as is. Like anytime you have a conversation, it's so it's so true. It's like, you know, this individual, this, 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 you can go on for, you know, six sentences, four paragraphs, 20 minutes, but and say, like, well, hold on. When you butt the conversation, you negate a lot of what you just said, if not all of it. So- Talk about uh, good gossip and then this other piece where you mentioned also, let's catch each other talking good about people behind their back and not bad. So I love that. So let's talk about good gossip. All right. Well, good gossip uh, derived from another incident where I had a fantastic chef and a, a fantastic manager. And they had worked together for years, but all of a sudden, for some reason, they were not getting along. They were they were snarky to each other or just grunting and it it affected the entire team i could see that i could see it was affecting that we tried to sit him down face to face no i'm fine i don't care you know it was like no i i, I have nothing to say and when you're dealing with this stuff it's like it was just it was so frustrating and my partner patty and i patty Ravellis is um just she's brilliant when it comes to people too we sat there and we said what do we do how do we do this we got somebody great here they're two great talents and we, we're going to lose one of them if not both of them if we don't do something so we devised a um there was a all employee meeting at that restaurant coming up the next day i said okay call the manager in let me call the man talk to the manager and we said all right listen um angela um is off tomorrow and she's had a personal day even though it's an all uh, staff meeting Give me three things that she does really well. 
any three things. Well, I give you three things she can't do well, right? <laughs> she doesn't do well, right? That immediate, oh, I no, I'm, I, they, he wants to shoot from the hip. Okay, let us let run vent. Okay, now give me three things she does really well, right? And he says, well, yeah, you know, she's always on time. She's impeccable uniform, and 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 she's the fastest we have in that position. Okay. So tomorrow at the manager's meeting, at the all meeting, what you're going to do is you're going to have, go through everything, go through all your numbers and everything. At the very end of the meeting, you're going to end saying, you know, Angela's not here, but I want to compliment her on three things she does really well. Oh, she's always on time. She's always in a good uniform and she's really fast at what she does. I was amazed as Patty and I was sitting there, we could not believe how good that he delivered that message. Mm -hmm. It was, it was stunning. And the very next day, the manager walks in and from the corner where she worked, where he was always hearing a grunt, he hears, good morning, Robert. How are you today? Within 24 hours, word, word had gotten out that he had said something nice about her. Mm. Even though everybody knew they were kind of at each other. Mm-hmm. That moment where he said something nice about her changed their relationship. Yeah. It also is something that I didn't see coming. It changed the entire team mm -hmm. because now that team who knows that they have an issue saw him say something nice about her when she wasn't there. That is a level of respect yeah. that they, he elevated himself to from the rest of the team, like, wow, that's pretty cool if he's saying something nice about her when she's not here. Yeah. Knowing that they have an angst. Power. So you take play that out a little bit further, and there other employees are thinking, well, what's he saying about me when I'm not there? Yep. Now in a in a, in a positive way. So exactly. can you imagine if it had gone the other way? Exactly. And if if it was the and would you th have to think about words as um a ripple effect mm -hmm. you know it's mm -hmm. gonna words are gonna are, are gonna travel they're gonna whether it's good gossip or gossip it's gonna travel and it, what kind of impact do you want to have when they when they get to their destination yes what kind of impact do you want to have on your life yep. when they get to their destination yeah as you can see right now if we talked about this earlier you know our words keep traveling mm -hmm. they're still with us today so even things we said 20 years ago are with us. Uh, I'm a little bit different generation where I have a whole bunch of stuff in my youth that never got recorded uh, mm -hmm. because I, I was just this, this snarky 19 year old kid. But today it's critical because your words will have an impact on your future. Mm -hmm. And just, I swear to tell people, don't try to win the argument. Uh, win the moment. Yeah. Win, think it, get to neutral. Love that. And when the month, get the strategy, and this is why that neutral word and that practice is so important, yeah. you know, okay, because you have to say it out loud, it's because it becomes a mnemonic message to your big brain to take over, Yeah. right? And it's not something that is offensive just to the other person, Yeah. right? So it's simply a, a, a key component to getting people to realize, oh, I've got to take control of this moment and make sure my little brain doesn't set me up for a negative impact in the future. Yeah. I love that. Win the moment. I love that piece. Don't worry about winning the argument, win that moment. And it starts with going back 15 minutes is, is, the, is not having that reactionary response. 
Yes. You'll, you'll, you'll lose that. You'll lose the moment, which then yes. you, in turn you'll lose your argument. So, you yeah. So I, I love that piece. I, I, and the whole thing about talking good about someone else, you, you know, what that can do for a team building atmosphere, especially when it, a group would, you know, especially when a group is expecting, we'll say quote unquote, you know, someone to talk bad about someone, but instead you talk good and it's like, what can that do for a culture? Like, wow, I can't believe that individual said good things about what just happened. If you will I talk about building a, a culture of just success and, and, and optimism when you turn that around and you forget about the talking bad behind someone's back. Let's talk good. I love that. Good concept is culture changing. Yeah. You know, I've changing. seen it enough. People told me about it because they read the book and those stuff. It, it, it changes the culture when you, when you have people strategic. Now it can't be insincere. It can't be right. Love because yeah. people read through that. People yes, are, people are extremely smart. They know when somebody's just blowing smoke yeah. and it, you can't do that, but you've picked two or three really good things about somebody and just happen at the tip of your tongue. So if something happens, you can say that. Yeah. Especially, especially when they're not in the room. Yes. And Eric talks about that too. Uh, Lieutenant Rostov, uh, about, you know, that good gossip is culture change. he says, you know, starts with yourself, starts with your crew and culture change starts with those individuals and crews. And then it expands and it becomes infectious to the other crews in the department or whoever in your organization. But, and you said this, I believe this is in your book. You said good communication costs nothing, but poor communication can cost you everything. Yes. I mean, we read that and it's like, yes, I think commu- poor communication has gotten us all into trouble many times in our lives, in our careers, but it doesn't cost us any extra money or effort to communicate well. That, and there's a key component here. Thank you for bringing that up. I think this is the most important thing. I've said things that I shouldn't have said. I have done, you know, a little things like, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. I wish I hadn't said that. Uh, there's no expiration date on an apology. Oh, love that. Love and that. I think that, you know, even if it's, you know, I've got a pretty big family. We've traded words back and forth over the, the decades. And so it's it's not hard to go back. So, you know, remember that comment they made when you were 17? Yeah, I probably shouldn't have said that or should have said it that way. You know, something that that apology kind of uh, di- diminishes any negative impact of those words after it's been expressed. Yeah. It doesn't mean somebody's going to immediately accept the apology, but it, once it's been expressed, those negative words lose their power. Yes. I love that. You see here, I'm writing down all kinds of the key. Key number one is, is taking that second. I'm trying to, trying to remember where that uh, I wrote that. I've I got stuff written all over the place now is um, the pivot. The, the, what's that? What's the verb that, uh, the, the, that you used? Neutral. Neutral, but then that pause. Where, where is that? That there's a space. That space. Oh, there's a space. That's what it is. Yes. So key number one is that space. Yes. Is that responding, you know, give yourself that four, four, three, four, five seconds for responding. Key number two is no, rex, no expiration for an apology. I love that. I mean, that's, yeah. that's, that's, I mean, we can drop Mike drop that already. Cause that's key. Imagine that, right. I'm, I guess I'm personally challenging all of our listeners today to, to, to more or less embed those two keynotes right there. Number one is find that space after, you know, before responding to anything good or bad, take a couple seconds to think about your response. But number two, if you seem to have that reactionary versus a, a response that you want, there's no expiration to an apology. I love that. I'm going to adopt that I should, today. I shouldn't have said that. Or you know what? I shouldn't have said it like that. I shouldn't have said it in front of those people. You know, that yeah. that simple, the, the, those words mean a lot to people. And yeah. and I, I think that it does mean a lot. And I think that when you, when you see people's reaction, um, 
even the lady with the enchiladas, she yes. apologized. Yes. You know, changed everything. Yeah. And, you know, because sometimes you have two people having a discussion or argument, whatever, they both leave the room and they both think they won the argument. They go tell yes. their friends, I won this. So, yeah. <laughs> right. It's true. So, but it's, 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 it's what's left on the table, you know, yes. and it, to me, the most important thing is practice that use okay as use any word you want yeah that you can practice in a nice pleasant tone that signals yes because you may not know exactly what to say next yep. you may yep. not know exactly what to do but once you get that space once you get those four seconds or 10 seconds or whatever you just take your time and breathe like i'm gonna think about this for a minute yep. it, it's it but is that when you're doing that you're exhaling and you're yes. taking the pressure away yeah. So it's not like you're trying to contain everything because you yep. can't. Yep. But, um, you mentioned uh, you don't use triggers, right? You don't like those trigger words. Yes, um, so uh, what, what was the other word that you used instead of triggers? Activating. Activating. So obviously we all want to – we all wish that we don't have to take back those knee-jerk reactions, those you know things. We say something, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Uh, obviously in a perfect world, we would just not have those reactions in the first place. We would have that space. Obviously, so it's easier said than done. So if we're going to be um, action takers, right, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to implement this now. In addition to creating that space, what's another way that we can help prevent more of those little brain responses? Are the, the activator, like, is that understanding the activators is. Uh, that's a really good, that's an excellent way to, to put this. Understand your own activators, actually, you know, because okay. there's recurring things that happen every single day. Yeah. You get on the freeway. Right. You get cut off. You're going to get activated. Yes. You, you, you're in a movie theater and somebody starts yep. talking. Yep. Right. And at a junction part. And yeah, uh, you're talking to somebody and all of a sudden they're they, they look away and they're texting, you know, very disrespectful. Right. The uh, when you're uh, people are using their horn excessively because they they, they want to tell you something. But I think that um, somebody where you see little brain happen all the time. And if you look at news stories, you see yeah. just, just do a news story on parking lot incident. <laughs> and it, it will fill up your inbox in, in yeah. a moment because parking lots are ripe for little brain. Yes. People cut somebody off. They get their space. They're all waiting for their space. And it's like, I know I was my space, right? And they cut in there and, and they're just not patient in the parking lot. There's something about parking lots that activate people. <laughs> We're all right? in a hurry. So, yeah. yeah, we're all in a hurry, which is which is an activator, right? It's that time yes. pressure. And if you look at in the book, I fill I, I, it out the, diff the different components of our world where, you know, the emotional comfort, our physical comfort, the family, friends, relationship, all the different things happening in our life can have an impact on this stuff. But uh, in situational things where somebody is screaming loud, you know, on, on when you're on a bus with them, yeah. you know, somebody is is actively trying to instigate you by push your button yes and so i think that the key is get to neutral get your neutral word in in play and and pivot yeah pivot, and, but not with the not with the same intensity that you're receiving that information yes. you, you're, you're the one that's going to change the tone well i i i love that is know your activators right because we're all gonna yes. we're all gonna have our own some of them are common like you so i'm looking at this here it says being cut up, cut off in traffic, right? That 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 is an activator of mine, and I'm sure 
similar to many waiting in line. Like I'm, I, I could think back, not even far, maybe today, maybe it was as, as recent as yesterday where I'm waiting in a long line. I'm already annoyed. So yes, yes when something small happens, I might come up with that little brain response because I know that waiting in line is an activator for me. So I love this. I mean, <laughs> my aunt Hilda, <laughs> I've been looking at this poor customer service. There's another activator of mine. Wow. Loud talkers. That's me. So maybe I'm an activator. I activate others many on many occasions, but no, I love this piece, right? There's key. Number three is know your activators, right? Know your activators. Uh, Listen, how many times we've we been on hold the last three years? Oh, Oh, and all of a sudden you get cut off. Yeah, right? absolutely. And then you go to the next person and you want to take out all that energy from the first one and dump it on the second person and it had nothing to do with it. Yeah, absolutely. So here's my next question here is uh, the fire service doesn't necessarily teach communication skills per se, right? Where uh, our industry is is heavily on the hard skills of the job, right? We go out and we we practice our EMS skills, our medical skills. We go out and we practice pulling hose and putting out fires. And Eric again talks about this, you know, in his class, and he talked about this on the on when he was a guest on the show is the importance of communication skills, the importance of emotional intelligence, the importance of self-reflection, self-regulation, self-awareness, all the above. But the fire service doesn't necessarily have these types of teachings in our curriculums. So other than going out and buying this book, Big, Big Brain, Little Brain, other than you know, taking the career survival course by Lieutenant Eric Rossoff, we know communication is important. We know it. How do we I mean, it's a rhetorical question, and every episode we have rhetoricals because uh, it's a rhetorical because we know the answer to it. Yes, but until we adopt it, until we do something about it individually, it's 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 it, it nothing happens. How do we continually put ourselves in the want to be better in communication when we know industries, not just the fire service doesn't have communication training as a part of our regular development. I, I think, you know, it's a really good comment. I think that, as I mentioned before, we're not really taught communication skills in academia. Mm -hmm. You know, we're taught mass communication. We're taught English. We're yep. taught how to write. We're taught how to edit. We're taught many things. But this interpersonal communication skill is something that that is critical. Mm -hmm. And it's critical because... We ha it has to be something we want to do. And, yes. and that's the key. We have to want to do this yes. because you can hear a lecture, you can hear something else, you can, but you have to want to do this. Yes. You know, and, and I think that getting people to de desire to be a better communicator is, is my job, right? Mm -hmm. And your job. We, get, we want them because we need to get them to see the ripple effect that the good gossip has or that the, the big brain words have. On, on, on their life. And you can try with just one person, take the, take the concept and just practice with one person, all those different comments and different things to see how it, it does something. And especially if, if you have tension between people, uh, I grew up in a large family. And so I got to see a lot of uh, tension. I got to mm -hmm. see a lot of back and forth. And at the same time, I, I really was in the, I was gifted to be in the number five of five boys, right? And, and to, so I could watch the, the interaction with happening, watch other people, you know, I tell you what you, um, I, I like use movies as, as good examples. And there's one movie, this is a fantastic example of big brain versus little brain. And more importantly, uh, the ripple effect of your little brain, 
if that's you, what you constantly use. If mm-hmm. you keep coming back to using your little brain because you feel you have a right to do so, it'll have an uh, it, it'll have an impact. And if you ever saw the the movie um, Groundhog Day, Bill Murray, right? Uh, snarky jerk, uh, weathercaster decides that you know uh, he thought he was right with the weather and turns out he was wrong. Uh, but he goes. There's like 15 different incidents that he goes through several times at the beginning of the movie where he's seen the same person because he he wakes up the following day after Groundhog Day and it's the same day again. Mm-hmm. Template that to your life. Template that to your, your work. If you're not getting ahead, if you're not moving forward, mm-hmm. it's because you're not pushing yourself forward. Yes, yes. So if you watch that movie with the idea that if you talk about a career example, here's somebody, then he ends up wanting the girl, right? The, 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 the producer there. And Annie McDowell, I think the actress. And he tries to fake it. He tries everything else. But in each one of those incidents that you see at the beginning where he's treating everybody so poorly, where he's being all little brain activity, he can't the universe say no you you don't get to go anywhere you don't get to go forward you don't get to get that promotion yeah. you don't get to move to the next day yeah. you know why because you're treating everybody poorly because you're not you're not moving forward yourself so we're not going to let you move forward mm-hmm. yeah, so that makes sense that movie is a great example of a career uh because it's something it's really something that it's it's a a nice metaphor for anybody in a career or a business even you know, if your business isn't moving forward, I mean, you got to take a look at yourself. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What, yes. What, what am I not doing right? Absolutely. What, what can I learn? What can I learn to do something else? And it isn't until he he is in all those incidents using his big brain yeah. every single time instead of his little brain that he gets to wake up the next yeah. day. That's a career. A uh, question I have is uh, when you wrote the book, who was the intended audience? Just out of curiosity, was there an intended audience? Obviously, communication is for everybody, regardless of the industry, regardless of where you're at, your career, and your life, your age. But was there an intended audience? There were several intended audiences. Yeah. You know, one intended audience was the people, was customers, that, yeah. that I, and my employees, and, and how they had to treat the customers, mm-hmm. and and vice versa. And then the other audience was was the school kids that I was around and, and the high schools and everything else. I was talking about business and stuff like that. I talk, go down and talk about business. I mean, you can see their reactions. Yeah. And the other one is when I, when, I, when I watched the media and the news, and I saw so many people destroy their careers with foolish comments. Yes, poor communication. With, with yeah. crazy. And it just became obvious to me that everybody needs to, go back and revisit their communication skills. Yes. Uh, and again, it's not something you, that you don't get taught interpersonal communication skills in, in, in school. You, exactly. get taught, you, you get taught the academic component, but that right. interpersonal communication skill comes from, from time-tested ideas that you usually work with other people. Yes. You see what works and what doesn't. So yeah. I try to put these down together so that other people who maybe didn't have that, the luxury of being able to sit in and take notes about yeah. Yeah interpersonal communication um it, it maybe i thought but it can help them I, I only asked that because when uh when eric was on the show he he mentioned uh, at the end he says you need to get a hold of kevin and he he wrote this book on big brain little brain and it's a prerequisite to his class and 
And I'm thinking, I'm reading it, and after I read it, you know, several months ago, I'm thinking, well, this wasn't necessarily for firefighters. I wonder how Kevin, or sorry, not Kevin, uh, how Eric came up with it. And then I, I, how do I, I uh, you told me the story on how you and Eric knew each other, because yes, I could see that it wasn't necessarily intended for fire service, but obviously relatable for every industry because it's communication. So yeah, and um, really, and and we all need it. Yes. I still need it. I still have to practice this. Absolutely. Okay. I'm still looking for new ways that I can communicate better. Well, and then going with that, it takes a little bit of uh, some humility as well, right? You're the author of this book and you know the concepts, but even you sit there and say, you know, I still need to, to work on this. Well, if the author of the book needs to, guess who else needs to? Everybody else too. I know half the book really well. <laughs> I noticed you, uh, you didn't have it right in front of you, but you basically verbatim said one entire page earlier when you were talking about the story of the... Uh, um, the, uh, the cold, the, the cold enchiladas. And so, yeah. so, yeah, that's the exact story out of the book and it's not even sitting in front of you. So yeah, absolutely. We all do. Oops. Yes. Right. We, we all, all do. do oops. Oops is going to happen. Yes. Right. Oops is going to happen. So the thing I tell people to do, if oops happens quickly, apologize, get yes. it out there. Like, you know, sorry, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have said it that way. Hey, didn't mean this. Didn't mean that's not what I meant. Blah, blah, blah. As quick as you can, Actually, because yes. if you, if you let that sit, it, it festers. It does. But then also there's no expiration to it. Someone once told me. <laughs> so let's, let's talk about this because um, I don't believe there's going to be anything different, but let's just capture it here in terms of communication, right? Cause uh, th this, uh, we're talking about good communication here. We're talking about improving our communication skill sets. Cause that's what it is. It's a skill yes. and it's learned and it's not even perfected, but it's continuously honed in to become better at it. And that's what a skill is. Communication takes a skill and we don't get it accidentally. So uh, we have this portion where we talk about, talk to the groups, right? Whether it be a newer firefighter, company officer, or chief officer, but now we're just talking about firefighters in general. If anything different laid out for all of us in terms of becoming a better communicator, in terms of communicating and leading with intention, what is your tip to firefighters to improve their communication skills? The best communicators are the best listeners. Mm. Because when you're truly listening, you're listening to where the other person's coming from. Love you're listening that. to their tone of voice. You're listening to what they're thinking about, what's important to them. And you're not trying to just one-up them in, in, in the conversation. If you're listening, you're listening to try to understand where they are at that moment. Where, where are they? Are mm -hmm. they in little brain or big brain? Are they... You know, what do they need to hear? What do you need to tell them? Yes, but you yes. have to, because you can't ignore what you need to tell them. Absolutely. But you, you can choose a time and the methodologies of what you tell. And yes. how to. But I think that number one is, 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 is listen and, and understand that you're not always going to win every argument. You mm -hmm. definitely want to win the moment. And sometimes winning the moment is just saying, let me think about that. You know, that's, that's, that's an interesting way to look at it. Some, anything you want to say, but you, you don't want the, the moment to, to, to be a, a win-lose. There you, you go. Know, you, you don't want that. You want that moment to be a moment like, okay, let's continue this. Because yes. guess what? If you're in a relationship, it's continuing, right? Yep. And the, 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 the words you use today will come back and, and you'll, meet, you, you'll meet those words again in the future. Yes. How you want to meet them. Yeah, you don't want it to be win-lose and you certainly don't want it to be regrettable. Right. Um, so... Uh, body language. Uh, that's one, one thing I want to mention here. So body language, how does body language play a role in when we're talking about getting to neutral? When we're talking about, right, 80 some percent of uh, of what our communication is, is what's not spoken. 
But yes. obviously, we've talked a lot about taking that pause, taking that, creating that space. You've talked about waiting to respond. Obviously, there's body language in there, right? You yes. mentioned not being, you mentioned being authentic in it, right? There's no authentic, you know, if you pause and you roll your eyes and turn your head, right? That pause is not the pause we're talking about. We're talking about expressing some good body language as well. Can you elaborate a little bit on the body language piece of this? Yeah, because uh, people in my business, they have people, they have to do 150 people within a couple hours, right? So 150 people, how do you engage 150 people and make them feel like it's genuine? Mm -hmm. So we have something um, that we um, that we we call SET. S-E-T. We set in our mind frame for dealing with, with this. Even though somebody brand new, we want to set them with the, the right, uh, we want to start the conversation off correctly. Number one, smile. Because mm. a smile is the best body language you can give somebody. And it's the one people see the most. Second, eye contact. I mean, that, that's the A and set. Eye contact, because eye contact is genuine. You're looking at the person in the eye. When you look at them in the eye, they can't not listen to you. Because you, when you're looking at something in the eye, it's better listening is going on. You can practice this. It, I guarantee you it works. Mm-hmm. And then the, the, the next thing is tone. So uh, it's tone of voice, because you're setting the tone for the conversation. And so if you can just remember set, smile, Eye contact and tone, that sets you up for the whatever wherever you're going in that moment. Yes. Oh, the brain loves threes, doesn't it? So we got the three yes, keys. It does. <laughs> we talk about create the space. We talk about there's no expiration for an apology, and then I forget what my key number three was. I said it earlier. You like um, good gossip. Oh, good gossip. Yes, good gossip is what it's all about. And then yeah. the other threes is set, set, smile, eye contact, and tone. I love it. People want control. Choice is control. Just control. So choice is power. If you, they have to choose how they want to respond to a situation. They have to choose that stuff, and they get to choose that if they if they take that neutral moment and and pivot. Most importantly, just remember, um, you can't blame anybody else for what you say. Mm-hmm. It's true. It's true. We we sometimes would like to. Yeah. At the end of the day, we do. We yeah. do too. <laughs> yeah. And we do. We would like to, yeah. and we do literally. Yeah. Uh, but that's a good point. Cause we talk about that on the show. We talk about controlling what you can control. Cause there's factors in this world that we'll never be able to control. And right. going back to this whole communication piece in this conversation today is the one thing that you know that you can control is the choice and how you respond to somebody. Right. And so controlling that, I think we're already going to be in a better place. So and thank that you. Choice for that. Is your power. Which is your power. Absolutely. Uh, well, thank you, uh, Kevin. Let's, uh, let's, let's do this leadership challenge. So again, we're here today because of Lieutenant Eric Rossoff and uh, him being so kind and challenging you to come share your, your message on communication on this book, something that I think we all need to hear regardless of the industry, but also especially in the fire service, building upon our communication skills is key. So thank you for for sharing today. And thank you, Lieutenant Eric Rossoff for uh, making this connection, but to further the leadership conversation to further out uh, what we bring in here to the kitchen table for our listeners to engage and listen to and resonate with. uh, We ask every guest to, uh, if there's someone else out there that they believe would bring a good message to our listeners in the fire service and other 
to help grow our leadership skill set, if you will. If there's someone you'd like to challenge publicly on the show to be a, a guest on the kitchen table. Well, I mean, I, 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 he's just getting over a couple of things right now, but uh, Jeff Arnold is somebody who I would do this with, but yeah. um, we'll give him a little bit of time to. Yeah. Uh, and who is, who is, who is Jeff? Like Jeff's well, a, what, he's a CFO uh, for different companies and he's uh, a franchisee and he's um, been in the business a long time and around a lot of different people. There you go. Well, uh, at a later date, yeah. possibly we'll reach out to uh, Mr. Arnold uh, to seek his interest. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, we always appreciate our guest and uh, the attempt to, to help us spread the conversation. So uh, before we close, um, Kevin, lasting leadership thoughts before we close the kitchen table today. Again, I think that leadership is knowing what your people need and giving it to them, you know, knowing, knowing your team and giving them what they need so they can perform. And uh, very often uh, um, communication is not seen as something that they need. And, and, and we think about um, equipment, we think about everything else, but that communication, that, that relationship uh, in the communication to me um, is leadership. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Um, and to the listeners out there, again, uh, the book that Kevin writes, uh, Kevin Thomas McCarty, Big Brain, Little Brain, How to Control Which One Speaks for You. Um, again, it is a, it's a great read. I've read it. It was recommended to me first by Lieutenant Rossoff. Kevin, uh, before you close, before I let you go, how else do we find Kevin? Got any other books coming out? Any other books that we should be looking for? You know, uh, the COVID did a number on us, uh, in my industry. So I've been focusing on survival then, then, uh, um, uh, uh, now we're back to strategy where we can start growing. So I'm going to be focusing in, in that arena. And then as far as more books are concerned, uh, I've got people asking me for a uh, Spanish language version of the book. Hmm. Uh, so we're, we're, we're going to be doing that. Uh, and then an audio book. And uh, so that'll be uh, coming out. As well. Absolutely. So. That's a great expansion. Well, yeah. why don't I close uh, with this and then we'll just chat. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in today to The Kitchen Table. We truly hope that you found this time valuable. And we hope that we've inspired you to take action, to lead, and to spread the leadership conversation. Till next time, be safe, be intentional, and stay curious.